and welcome along to the Property Academy Podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nichols. And today on the show, we are talking about the five hidden costs of owning a holiday home. Yes, it is summer, and usually at this time, you will start texting in saying, oh, Ed, maybe I should just buy a holiday every home. Every year. Every year. To which I reply, no. It's not an investment, <laughs> Joy and Manuel. <laughs> so what we want to do today is go through the five hidden costs that most people don't think about when buying a holiday home. And some of these are actually going to surprise you. The first one actually only just came across my radar. Yeah, the legislation was passed the year before last, 2020 now, getting hard to remember that, but it comes into effect this financial year, so the 2022 financial year. And basically, this is around tougher trust administration rules. The legislation which came into effect means that any income distributed by a trust to beneficiaries needs to be recorded. Seems reasonable, right? But what wasn't considered is how that treats any distributions where no money changes hands. Now, what that means in terms of hidden costs for your holiday home is a whole heap more trust administration. Let me give you an example of this. So if you've got your kids who are beneficiaries of the trust and the holiday home is owned by your trust, if your kids then stay in that holiday home, Every single time they stay in there, that's got to be recorded because the beneficiaries of a trust are getting some benefit, even if it's not in cash. So there's a whole heap of admin there. In addition to that, Andrew, there's some rules around, say, if a friend or family member does a bit of work on your holiday home, maybe they paint some of the outside because they're doing you a bit of a favour and then you say, okay, you can stay there for free. There are some rules around administration of this as well. Yeah, so then again, the trust is receiving a benefit. Now this, just to clarify, does have to be an income generating trust, but if you've got a batch that's in there and and you don't think that you receive any income, because you only rent it out a few weeks a year. Well, any amount of income, even if it's a dollar, triggers this. So if I rent it out and it's a neutrally, I charge out enough nights a year to Ed so that I can pay my rates and insurance. Well, that's income generating. So yes, I have to abide by this. Now, if Ed gets his shorts on and does some painting of oh, that house. I'm doing some painting with my shorts yeah, on. I thought it yeah. might be something else. <laughs> that needs to be recorded as a gift. Okay, so hidden cost number one is the potential for administration if you've got it set up up in a trust, which is a fascinating one. The next one that's top of mind for me is the opportunity cost of income. So some of you say, okay, I'm going to buy a holiday home rather than an investment property. And hey, I'm still going to get some capital growth because I'm purchasing an asset. But what you've got to remember is that you've got the opportunity cost of income. Now, what I mean by that is if you go out and purchase an 800k holiday home, like a friend of mine did, and I'll tell you a little bit about that near the end of the show, what you've given up by making that decision is purchasing and potentially 800k investment property, depending how it's structured, and forgoing all of the rental income, which could be something like $30,000 or $35,000 a year, depending on where that property would have otherwise been located and the income you could have got from it. So it's not just, okay, well, I'll pay the rates and the insurance and, you know, that'll be five grand a year and there'll be some interest costs. It's not just those costs you've got to consider, it's also the 35k worth of income you've potentially given up by purchasing a holiday home and renting it out far less than you would have if it was just a straight investment property. And I think that's the big one that a lot of people forget about when considering purchasing a holiday home over an investment property. Hidden cost number three is the purchasing a poorer quality property or a poorer location. So generally speaking, people are buying in areas like 
let's say if you're, if you're in the South Island, maybe somewhere like Le Bon's Bay, which is, you know, a remote area, which is beautiful, right by the beach. And again, you're going to get some capital growth. It's not going to meet the criteria of what we would consider a genuine investment. And generally speaking, you're buying a, an older house and so there's going to be additional costs there. Like for a really good example, a lot of people might buy a holiday home in Opunaki, which is a great wee holiday town or seaside town in South Taranaki. Just talked about Harwood a lot long ago. Now, property prices there, uh, just because it's a small town doesn't mean that it's necessarily cheap. But because it's a smaller, lower population, lower population growth area, not a lot of industry going on, there's this trade-off between what we would consider good investment fundamentals and what I'm sure most people would consider a good holiday home. So just because you're going to go out and purchase a good holiday home doesn't necessarily, it's going to fit the criteria of what would be considered a good investment. Now, we can often find ourselves playing tricks on our minds. No, no, no. We, I don't think we trick ourselves. We just tell ourselves and then everyone else and then our, our property advisor. No, but you know what I mean? It's like when we had Carl from Research First here yes. telling us about the stories or the tricks our minds play on ourselves. Oh, it's going to be a good investment. Because and then the family can go there for generations to come. Then then your son's second girlfriend comes and takes half of it. <laughs> It's all lies when we actually know it. Now, hidden cost number four is the lower potential for borrowing. And the reason I say this is you might think, well, I've got enough usable equity to go and buy both a holiday home and an investment property. So sweet, I'm going to try and do both. But here's the thing, because you've got no income coming in for your holiday home or no regular rental income coming in, the bank's not going to look at that and say, sweet, there's a whole heap of income there that we can count towards the servicing of this property. Now, because because of that, what we often find is that holiday home borrowing is really costly because it stops you from going out and purchasing more investment properties compared to if you'd just gone out and purchased investment property. Again, the reason is because there's no income there that's going to help you continue borrowing from the bank. Though having said that, there is one small benefit, which is that obviously the LVR rules are different for holiday homes compared to investment properties. So for instance, if you want to go and purchase an investment property and it's an existing property, the LVR is 60% need a 40% deposit, obviously a bit different for new builds. With holiday homes, there is a small benefit, which is that you only need a 20% deposit. Hidden cost number five is you might end up spending more money than you would on holidays anyway. Let's think about how much you might spend on a batch. Your batch, you might have 5k for rates, insurance, maintenance, and, and that's probably pretty low on the maintenance if it is a traditional Kiwi batch. Let's say you've got 800k worth of borrowing at 3.65%, that's 29 grand in interest, so you've got 35k worth of costs. Now, when you think about what sort of accommodation you could have got for 35k, if you work on a cost of 250 a night in an Airbnb, that's 140 nights that you could go and stay somewhere. I, yeah. I, that's a lot of nights. That's a lot of nights. That's a third of the year. And of course, we're not suggesting anybody go out and actually do 140 nights. But what we're really <laughs> no. saying is compared to if you just bought an investment and taken the extra 10 grand or 15 grand, whatever the, the cost difference would be in terms of cash, and spent that on holidays, maybe that would give you more happiness in your life than just purchasing that holiday home. Because then you can decide that you want to go one weekend up into Kaitaia and the next weekend you get to go down to Ruapehu and you get to go all around the country rather than having this one holiday spot that you're going to. And I think one other thing that I want to kind of argue against is this idea that holiday homes are cheap. 
So, for instance, you might buy in a small town, but it doesn't mean that the property you're going to purchase is very cheap at all. I've got a friend, and I won't name them, and luckily they don't listen to the show, so I can uh, <laughs> I can talk all about all about their situation. They bought in a small beachside town in the Hauraki district, so just below Thames Coromandel, and very small town of about 200 people. What do you think, Andrew? I love playing the guessy game. What do you think my friend spent on their four-bedroom, two-story? Million bucks. No, it wasn't a million bucks. I was hoping you were going to say something really cheap. It was 797k. Uh, so see, I know the trick game now, and I know just to aim a little bit higher, just because obviously I, it's a trick. And then I get disappointed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say here is even though they've purchased in a small town, couple of hundred people, and all they've got there is a thing, a fish and chip shop in a dairy, it doesn't necessarily mean that holiday homes are inexpensive. Yeah. In this instance, they might be around that 800k. And even somewhere like Hawanui, for instance, has an average price over a million dollars. So holiday homes not necessarily very inexpensive. Now, hidden cost number six, just while I'm thinking about it, Andrew, because we've On been... On the fly. Well, we've been looking at stats while we've been recording this show. Hidden cost number six is that if you're purchasing a holiday home in a place that's nice to visit, but not necessarily somewhere where people like to live, like... Le Bons Bay, which you just talked about earlier, there may not be a lot of demand for that property when it comes to sell. What I mean by that is it can take a long time for some of these holiday homes to actually move on. So I'm just looking at Le Bons Bay, which you, a suburb you chucked to me earlier in this episode. There have been no sales in Le Bons Bay over the last 12 months. Now that might be because nobody's wanting to actually sell those properties, but it could also demonstrate that, hey, there's not necessarily a lot of demand there either. And what you've also got to remember just on this as well is that the demand for holiday homes is cyclical. So when the economy is doing very, very well, businesses are booming and people are feeling like, hey, I've got a bit of money in my pocket, that's when demand demand for holiday homes will start to heat up because people are feeling good, they're feeling wealthy, they're more willing to make that aspirational purchase. Now, when the economy's in the Googler and people are feeling a bit down on their luck, feeling that, hey, maybe things are not going so well, maybe I need to cut back on my spending, that's where people are not out there purchasing holiday homes. Now, what that means is that in the boom times, then, hey, price of holiday homes will go up. In the not-so-good times, that's when demand and prices for holiday homes will start to soften, and in addition to that, it can be harder to exit that purchase. So that is hidden cost number six to think about when thinking, oh, should I purchase a holiday home, should I not? Right, let's wrap it up there, but please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the Property Academy podcast. It really does help us get that message out to more people. And hey, if you want to think about I wonder what my next step in property is for 2022. Check out our Next Steps property course. You can find this at nextstepsproperty.com or I'll drop a link to it in the show notes. So just tap or swipe over the cover art. There'll be a link in there. listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. I'm Andrew Nichol. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time, 